0: Welcome to Boiled Down, the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association's podcast. My name is Greg Astley. I'm your co host today, along with Lori Little, our Director of Communications here at Orla. Hi, Lori.
1: Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. And we are joined today by Scott Crookshank, the General Manager for the Metro Visitor Venues. Welcome, Scott. Thank you, Greg. Lori. Glad to have you here today. We got uh, lots of things to talk about. Uh, lots going on uh, with the Metro visitor venues right now. And just to remind people, there are four of those that you're primarily responsible for, which include the Oregon Zoo, the Portland Expo Center, uh, the Oregon Convention Center, and Portland Five Center for the Arts. Now, Those are all pretty different properties with uh, I would say unique experiences. Can you give us a little bit about each of those and and maybe how uh, visitors do experience them?
2: Sure, thank you. Um, We'll start with the Oregon Zoo. Um, The Oregon Zoo is obviously a community treasure. Um, It is I believe the second second most visited paid uh, tourism attraction in our region very big goal of conservation and education uh investing a lot recently in the zoo and we can talk about that a little bit we have the portland expo center which um is ne- nearly 100 years old in its in its time um it's gone through various iterations um as well as a livestock show facility uh, way back when but it's it's a great spot for many of our local shows uh it's a it's a where you'll find the RV show, where you'll find uh, many other local shows that uh, draw a lot of our locals into a shopping environment. Um, Oregon Convention Center, a big focus on national business. Um, At the Oregon Convention Center, our goal is to help bring visitors into Portland, and um, hopefully they'll spend their money in our region. Um, The economic impacts of the Oregon Convention Center really are what that building is all about. And then we have the Portland Five Centers for the Arts. Uh, you'll recognize the Keller Auditorium, the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall, and the Arlene Hatfield Hall. Five theaters uh, in all for the Portland Five Centers for the Arts. And those act as a, primarily a cultural asset. Um, they bring uh, a big part to the Portland scene um, with nightlife and entertainment.
0: Yeah, that, um, again, fantastic properties that you're talking about we were just at a um, kind of a celebration of the culinary arts at City Hall on Monday and uh, Commissioner Chloe Udaly was talking and we had a few other folks including Jeff Hawthorne there who spoke about the connection between the arts and restaurants and the fact that a lot of folks that come to see the arts do visit restaurants and do stay in the hotels and of course the convention center is another great example of that how are, how are restaurants and lodging properties able to work with you and with Metro to kind of draw some of those visitors who are here to visit those great properties to their businesses?
2: Sure, I, I think there's a very easy relationship with the Oregon Convention Center. Um, you know, doing 30 or 40 national conventions a year, drawing um, up to 500,000 people a year into the facility, uh, a great a majority of them using hotels our out-of-town visitors that are associated with conventions spend three to four hundred dollars a day um, so they spend it in the restaurants they spend it in the hotels they spend it on uber taxi but they spend it and leave it in our community mm-hmm. um, the portland five centers for the arts is is uh... very easy relationship to the restaurants um... when there's events at those facilities the nearby restaurants are busy they're feeling it um, so i think there's a great they're a great part of our nightlife scene, which definitely includes our restaurants.
1: So I want to talk a little bit about the zoo. So I have a 11-year-old going on 12 very soon here. And we've, you know, over the years spent a lot of time at the zoo. It's, it's uh, just watching it grow in this past decade is, you know, is amazing. Speaking to the Oregon Zoo's bond measure that was passed in 2008, uh, you've already completed some exciting projects, including... Elephant Lands, Education Center, Condors for the Columbia. Um, Can you tell us about some of the remaining projects that are coming up? Maybe not remaining, but the the ones coming up uh, in the near future here?
2: Sure. There are three projects left that will be done all at the same time at the zoo as uh, the kind of final pieces of that uh, 2008 bond measure where where our public uh, showed their appreciation for the zoo and and the desire to see it uh, developed into a much much bigger and better um, asset for our local community is for sure. Um, The last three projects are polar passage, uh, a rhino inhabitant, and a primate habitat. And as you know, we have Nora at the zoo. She's a lone cub and she'll be leaving us in September uh, to go to the Cleveland Zoo and join another cub, polar bear. Mm -hmm. Polar bears are definitely an endangered species, as, as we know with uh, climate change. Um, there's more and more difficulty for them to survive uh, in the wild. Um, they have less food available to them. And really studying studying these animals and making sure that um, they, they don't become so endangered that they're um, extinct is a, a big, big uh, focus of most of the um, Accredited zoos in our country and the world, so these last three projects will take really what is the the heart of the zoo, the very center of the zoo, and and um, create much better habitat for for these animals mentioned, better viewing and educational opportunities for the public coming to the zoo, and um, really just make it a, such a much better asset to our community. the yeah. The last projects that have been done are all uh, have been. Very successful. Elephant Lands is up for an award here in the upcoming uh, Associations of Zoo and Aquariums National Convention in Indianapolis next month. That would be a really huge reward to our community for their investment in the
1: zoo. Mm. So what kind of timeline for these last three?
2: These last three projects will start at the same time. They'll likely start sometime next summer, and they'll take about 24 months to complete.
1: Cool. Very exciting.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, I know Oregonians love the zoo. Uh, We were talking earlier, I've got a glass here with uh, the Packy logo on it that I'm having my water out of today. And, um, of course, he's a beloved figure and an icon for Oregonians. Yeah, we all
2: miss Packy. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, Well, Scott, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Metro venues and the fact that uh, they really, I mean, over a million people uh, come to downtown Portland every year because of what the Metro venues offer. How do you think those numbers are going to grow uh, with the addition of the new Convention Center Hotel, uh, which they're anticipating is going to bring hundreds of thousands of more visitors to the region every year?
2: Well, we've done a lot of work on that particular area. Um, We've done many studies. As you all probably know, when the Convention Center opened in 1990, um, there was already discussion about the next big project, and that would be the Convention Center Hotel. In fact, I have a poster in my office that shows opening night at the convention center, and there is a building in the corner that says future site of the <laughs> headquarter hotel. Ironically, it is in the exact same location that the Hyatt will be located, mm-hmm. so that's, that's nice to see. Um, we believe that the new hotel will allow Portland to achieve um, modestly five to ten more national conventions a year. Uh, we didn't arrive at that number independently. We, we had outside sources do that study for us when we took on this iteration of attempting to get a hotel next to the convention center. Uh, The number one reason Portland loses conventions is lack of a headquarter hotel adjacent to the center. We know that national conventions will not be the only driver for the Hyatt. as a 600-room hotel. They'll have three main lines of business. They'll have national conventions. They'll have their own internal book of business, their frequent stay, traveler-type business uh, transit. Guests, as well as their own um, conventions that are um, single hotel conventions, with um, 600 rooms and, you know, Oregon, specifically downtown Portland's occupancy pushing near 80%. That's about 160,000 room nights a year that um, will be added. That's fantastic. Well, I think we're all
0: looking forward to it. I know it's been a long time coming. 28 years, I think, is what I heard mm-hmm. at the groundbreaking.
2: Um, I had heard that 1988, prior to the convention center opening during construction, there was, w- this is the next thing that has to happen. that mm-hmm. so, well,
1: has been talked about quite a bit.
2: Yeah, it's close to 30 years.
0: Yeah, a lot of people worked very hard, I know, to, to get that where it is now so that's that's great news for everybody we're going to take a moment here take a short break and uh, when we come back we'll continue talking with scott crookshank the general manager of the metro visitor venues
1: are you in need of quality food handler training and certification orla is one of the largest and first providers of online food handler training in oregon approved by the state orla's food handler training is quick and simple to complete with online courses available 24 7 Training and certification costs only $9 and the card is valid statewide for three years. Get started today at OregonFoodHandler.com.
0: Welcome back to Boiled Down, the podcast from the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association. I'm Greg Astley, your host and Director of Government Affairs for Orla. With me today is Lori Little, my guest host and Director of Communications for Orla. Hi, Lori, again. Hey, Greg. And we've got Scott Crookshank, the general manager of the Metro Visitor Venues. And just to let you know how you can get in touch with Scott, his email is scott.crookshank, and that's C-R-U-I-C-K-S-H-A-N-K, at oregonmetro.gov. You can also find him on the web at oregonmetro.gov and on social media it's at oregon metro that's a great way to keep up with all the things that are happening with the visitor venues for us here and just a little bit of background i know scott we talked about this prior to the podcast but um, you've got a a long-standing connection to the restaurant and lodging association as a former chair of the oregon lodging association Uh, we were just talking about that that was in the early 2000s that's correct yeah so you've got a lot of history going back and and a, a lot of uh, credit I would say here with the lodging community you've been involved in a lot of different properties and and seen the issues firsthand that we've been dealing with now for probably decades
2: yeah I enjoy the lodging business and uh, I do um, I do understand what uh, what's happened over the last five years with dou- double-digit growth in occupancies and uh, it's robust times
0: yeah mm-hmm. well it is it is great to have somebody um, I think working in government, who does understand the business side of things. I think that's often uh, a criticism and, and often unwarranted. But in your case, you absolutely um, have the credibility of being somebody who's worked in the industry and, and now is working you know on the government side of things. And so you you can wear those both both of those hats. I think very well.
2: Thank you.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to bring it back to um, the new Hyatt Regency Portland Hotel. Pretty excited about that new new convention center uh, project um, and the fact that it's going to support probably 950 uh, permanent hospitality and tourism related jobs. That's that's um, a significant number there. Um, tell us a little bit more about um, some of the jobs uh, created um, through the, the construction piece of it as well.
2: Sure. So the um, groundbreaking party was uh, just recently in August and Um, They're already uh, demolishing the site, uh, so they can start building this hotel. Um, It's estimated that about 2,000 jobs will be created through the construction of the hotel. Um, One of the things that we have at Metro have worked with um, is the opportunity to create um, some careers out of that construction. And uh, we were able to get a sizable grant from Mortensen Development of $300,000 and find some matching dollars of another $150,000. And we're partnering with an organization called Cause, Construction Apprenticeship and Workforce Solutions. And what we intend to do with that $450,000 is create apprenticeship opportunities for people of color and women to be able to make it completely through an apprenticeship program and get into the trades for careers uh, through this project. Uh, This project does have some workforce equity goals. Uh, Mortensen Development has a target of 20% for people of color on the job and 9% women. Um, They feel that they can attain somewhere around 30%. So we've already had um, a couple of different meetings and open houses with Mortensen at Metro where we've invited some of our small uh, minority women, emerging small business contractors, now called COVID contractors, and open houses and let them know the bid packaging available. So uh, we're off and running.
1: Oh, that's great. Great. I, you know, I was also reading about the um, uh, FOTA, First Opportunity Target Area. What, what is that all about?
2: Sure. When the convention center was first... Funded in the late 80s, um, there was actually a bit of a shortfall through the bond money to build the convention center. And so uh, local leaders went to the Oregon legislature to find the additional dollars. Uh, The Oregon legislature uh, was was very astute in acknowledging that this was yet another project in the north, northeast Portland community that um, had the the potential to uh, divide the neighborhoods, the the existing neighborhoods that our African-American community enjoyed. So they challenged Metro to create um, a first opportunity target area, which would allow people in the local community to have first opportunities at jobs available at the convention center. Um, through time, uh, Metro and specifically Merck, the Metropolitan Exposition Recreation Commission, expanded that photo program to the Portland Expo Center and the Portland Five Centers for the Arts. And we've revisited the photo opportunity area, and it is now a geographic area that expands into some of our local communities outside of Northeast Portland where many of our people of color have moved through over the years uh, due to some of the gentrification that's occurred in the Northeast Portland neighborhood. So there's um, opportunities for people in East County now also to be have the first opportunity to be hired before we go out to general public with some of our recruitments. Um, Hyatt has agreed as part of our um, relationship with them to acknowledge the first opportunity target area when they opened the hotel in late 2019. To um, create jobs in in our community in the same fashion.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's a big win. I think that's that's great for the community, for in particular.
2: Yeah, we're really excited to have their participation. That's
0: great. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of construction, uh, you've got some renovations planned for the Oregon Convention Center. I think.
2: We do. We've um, we've recognized that the convention center built in 1990 and doubled in. S- 2003, has uh, half of the building that is a little bit dated, and we are investing uh, quite a bit of money that has been achieved over the years in the Oregon Convention Center Reserve Fund to do a renovation of the uh, original side of the convention center and have that done prior to the Hyatt opening in 2019.
0: So what are some of the plans for the renovation? Can you share those with us?
2: Sure. We're um, completely redoing the outside plaza area that uh, will join the hotel as far as being right across the street and making sure that our entries are more conducive to folks coming to the convention center from the hotel and light rail, directing people to our two main entrances on Holiday and Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, um, inside the convention center we'll be completely renovating the Oregon ballroom, the meeting rooms at the north end of the building uh- c- creating some new wall finishes renovating and updating uh, bathrooms etc it'll be a, It'll be a great refresh and um, I think people will be really excited what they see. We're currently in design mode that's great
1: Good deal so uh we mentioned earlier you've you've got your a uh, background in in lodging i know that you worked um with uh resort the mountain and then uh, martin hospitality uh group over the coast and has you know been in this industry for for a while so drawing on some of those experiences um you know what what do hotels need to maybe do more of to help sell themselves as a destination i know that Portland's a little unique because Portland, as a, you know, as a city it itself, is a destination. But you know, other hotels, um, you know, around the state, even just to draw draw more visitors, um, you know, to their area.
2: Sure, um, I'm a believer in collaboration. Uh, most of our tourism areas, with our different regions of the state, um, have some some great tourism funding, and I think that we can acknowledge the uh, creativity of. Not only Travel Oregon and Travel Portland, but our our hoteliers in general who have agreed to invest in um, our tourism through those lodging tax dollars that they collect every day. Um, Collaborating with others in in these regions, I believe, and and selling a bigger product than a single hotel or a single restaurant is a great opportunity. Um, Portland and Oregon are... Uh, wonderful destinations. We've we've hit some real highs on the national and international scene for visitors, with all of our local makers, whether it be craft brewers or wineries or distillers or our great food products. Um, not just in Portland, but throughout the state, people are intrigued by coming to Portland and coming to Oregon. And nobody really comes to Portland uh, from a long ways destination without recognizing that. Uh, there's only an hour and a half to the coast, an hour to the mountains, a couple hours to the desert. Um, Oregon has really everything that a visitor would want. Yeah,
1: so really, like you said, take advantage of those collaborative resources out there. You know, uh, with your destination marketing organizations, Travel Oregon.
2: Yeah, they're they're great organizations, and uh, we we have. Um, we just have a great industry, and the way people work together to solve problems and create opportunities is, is amazing to watch.
0: So with that in mind, um, how much growth do you think Portland can manage? I mean, we, we've got a, a number of new rooms coming online. We've talked, I've heard the number 3,000 rooms in the next you know year or two. Um, where do you think that saturation point is if there is one at this
2: point in time? Well, we've seen double-digit occupancy and REVPAR growth, I think, for five or six years. And I know that our hotel partners are seeing this year a, a bit of a leveling out, um, probably seeing more like uh, 2 to 4% increases this year. So there is definitely uh, a level-off period. Um, Portland hasn't seen hotel growth of, of any significance in a long time, if if really um ever in the last 15 or 20 years so uh, clearly there's a lot of private dollars going into building local local hotels um, of of all different sizes Um, i think there'll be a leveling off and um, i also think these hotel products will actually be a driver of tourism also so you know we'll look forward to the next upward trajectory
0: yeah We have seen, I think, an increase in the number of uh, smaller hotels, the boutique hotels that are uh, offering a different kind of experience for visitors. Um, And so with your background in in the hospitality industry, if you look into your crystal ball, where do you see Portland's tourism landscape or the landscape for Oregon as far as tourism goes and and how that all relates to the the hotels and the restaurants?
2: Well, as you mentioned, these new hotels coming to town, most of them are, you know, 200-room boutique hotels. um, And they're going to share existing business, so there's going to have to be um, a need to create additional business uh, for everybody to succeed. Portland continues to be um, a wonderful product that people are eager to see through the, through the efforts of Travel Portland and the Portland Hoteliers in creating the Tourism Investment District with the, with the 2% additional fee. Um, there are funds available to promote Portland and the region beyond the statewide dollars, and if managed well, as they have been, um, more opportunities will exist.
0: Well, I'd say the future looks pretty bright for, uh, for the Portland area and Oregon generally when we talk about tourism. And, and Metro's been a big part of that. And uh, we thank you for the work that you're doing there, Scott. Um, again, if you want to reach out to Scott, general manager for the Metro visitor venues, you can reach him on the web, OregonMetro.gov. Social media is at Oregon Metro and you can always email him at scott.crookshank at oregonmetro.gov. Scott, is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with our audience?
2: Um, I just believe in our hospitality industry I think that we collaborate well. We do a great job, and we all work so well together. There's a lot of camaraderie, as you know from your annual conventions. Uh, people really love this industry and love working together, so it's, it's great to continue to be part of it. Thank you.
0: You bet. Well, on behalf of us here at the uh, Orla Boil Down podcast, we want to thank you for the work that you're doing, and thanks for being here on our show today. Uh, we're going to take another quick break, come back with our advocacy watch, and uh, we'll wrap things up. So thanks again.
1: Yeah, thanks, Scott. Thank you. Get your staff food handler trained and certified by Oregon's highest quality training provider. Orler provides easy-to-follow, interactive training that is valid statewide for three years. Employees can get the state-mandated food handler card they need on their schedule with online courses available 24-7. And now for only $9. Go to OregonFoodHandler.com today.
0: Welcome back to Boiled Down, the podcast by the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association. It is time for our Advocacy Watch. It's the segment of the podcast where we tell you what's going on around the state and what you need to know. Since January, uh, Airbnb has dropped 524 illegal listings from the Portland area, citing their one home, one host policy. The policy does not allow hosts to list more than one entire home on the Airbnb website. However, uh, according to a news story in Willamette Week, Airbnb listings have grown from approximately 2,700 to 4,500 in the last year, almost doubling the number of houses available or homes available for rent.
1: Yeah, I was just reading that too. Um, In fact, they they quote, that data, which Murray Cox of the New York-based watchdog site inside Airbnb obtained by scraping the Airbnb website shows there's still 437 Portland listings in which the host had listed more than one entire home.
0: Yeah, and in that same story, they say that that accounts for about 16% of the entire homes listed by Portland hosts with more than one entire home for rent. Now, additionally, uh, entire homes listed for more than 95 nights per year, which is also a violation of the Portland City Code, that's about 64%. Um, that means about two-thirds of those homes that are listed in the Portland area are in violation of Portland City Code. So that's the reason why we continue to keep our eye on this kind of uh, of an issue. We want to make sure that it's a level playing field for everybody out there.
1: So. so- Sounds like a good start, but we they have a little ways to go.
0: I would agree. I think uh, self-policing is not working out, and we need to make sure that uh, Portland City Hall continues to stay on top of this issue, and uh, they've been doing a good job so far. We applaud their efforts. Moving down I-5 a little bit, we come to the city of Medford, which is considering allowing food trucks in the downtown area during the hours of 10 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. Uh, The ordinance that they're looking at, would permit food trucks to locate in on-street parking stalls in the public right-of-way in order to serve customers from 10 p.m. to 2.30 a.m., and the food trucks would have to be self-contained with no need for utility connections to operate. Now, um, Orla has advocated in the past for the same standards for mobile food carts and food trucks as for brick-and-mortar restaurants, including uh, seating for customers, restroom facilities, standardized health inspections, and making sure that they're paying the proper taxes that and, and business fees that they need to pay so that there's not an unfair competitive advantage over brick-and-mortar restaurants. I want to give you a quick update on what's happening with the tip pooling restrictions. Uh, the United States Department of Labor will potentially rescind the tip pooling restrictions in states like Oregon without a tip credit. And that's a huge win for us here, Uh, probably in the last decade or so. It's one of the biggest wins we've had on our advocacy side.
1: Now, we still are very much interested in um, the Supreme Court uh, hearing that case, right?
0: Absolutely. The DOL, the Department of Labor, even if they rescind it, it doesn't mean that a future administration couldn't come back in and change the rule back. So... We are continuing in partnership with the National Restaurant Association and others to pursue this case through the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, making sure that the law gets permanently changed and not subject to revision at a future date. We've had some good news on that uh, front recently, actually, with the Tenth Circuit Court. They had a recent ruling that was in direct contradiction to the February 2016 ruling by the Ninth Circuit Court saying that, yes, uh, restaurants could do tip pooling in states where they do not have a tip credit. And so that was good news for us.
1: Yeah. And, you know, our uh, we get asked the question quite a bit, you know, what's going on with tip pooling and, and um, you know, just uh, restaurant operators trying to, trying to figure out how to, how to deal with that. Um, we are going to be having uh, a session on tip pooling and and dealing with wages and just addressing those concerns at our convention coming up in October.
0: Yeah, we've talked a lot about uh, tip pooling and uh, giving folks updates at our regional conversations that we've been having over the last year or so around the state and we are going to be having a seminar at the convention which is presented by Liberty Mutual Insurance. It's going to be October 8th and 9th in Bend at the River House on the Deschutes which is always a popular place for us at convention. I even hear there's a rumor we might be bringing back the gin fizz in the morning. I'm not sure yet but I think Jason's pretty excited about that so uh, you can register online for the convention. Uh, If you book your room there you want to mention orla so we'll get you taken care of there but again october 8th and 9th in bend at the river house on the deschutes and by the way if you're looking for more information you can always go to the web oregon you can always email us for more information on the podcast or other issues at info at oregonrla.org. and of course our twitter handle here is at o r l a boiled down so you can follow what's going on there had a couple of wins lately for the industry. Some things we're pretty excited about, and want to talk about those just briefly. One of those is the OLCC's decision to remove the regulation on happy hour advertising.
1: Yeah. So, what does that really mean for our restaurants?
0: Well, uh, in the past, restaurants were barred from externally advertising any kind of um, alcohol-based happy hour special. So, you you know you couldn't do Uh, reduced prices on drinks and and talk about it outside of the restaurant itself, which doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. If you've already got somebody there, uh, they probably know about those those specials. So the removal of the regulation does pave the way for new marketing strategies and promotional offers that can be implemented by restaurants to drive customer traffic and sales.
1: Oh, that's exciting for our restaurants. You know, I remember uh, back a few years ago when I was going to school up uh, in North Portland, uh, you know, we used to Hear about dimers at uh, the tea room.
0: Yeah? That was so was that a tough decision, whether to put a dime in the payphone to call home or whether to put a dime on the table for a beer?
1: I think it was a little more than a dime to call mom, but uh, <laughs> certainly I chose to go get a little beverage first.
0: Uh, that was a wise choice in retrospect, I would say. The second win we've got for the industry is the uh, quote-unquote old rule. Prevailing for the outside smoking porches, Uh, we worked in partnership with the Oregon Health Authority and the Oregon Legislature to protect bars and taverns with outdoor smoking patios from what I would say is a new level of unnecessary regulation.
1: Yeah. So how are they defining enclosed areas now?
0: So the enclosed area is defined as the entirety of the space between a floor and a ceiling uh, that's enclosed on three or more sides by permanent or temporary walls or windows exclusive of doors or passageways that extend from the floor to the ceiling. And if that sounds dry, it's because I had to read that directly to make sure that we got it accurate. And although that definition is complex, uh, this new development means that I think our bars and taverns that have been operating outdoor patios for years will be able to continue to do so in almost all cases.
1: Mm -hmm. That's good news.
0: That is good news. We're always looking for folks in the industry to keep us informed about what's going on in your local area. So you can always reach me directly at astley at oregonrla.org or call me here at the office. And would love to talk to you about issues in your area. You can visit us again at the Orla Convention, which is presented by Liberty Mutual Insurance. That's going to be October 8th and 9th in Bend at the River House on the Deschutes. And again, you can register online at oregonrla.org. Book your room and make sure you mention Orla. You can also go to that website for more information on government affairs and advocacy issues. You can email us at info at OregonRLA.org. And please, if you've got ideas for future podcasts or would like to make comments on what we've talked about so far, uh, do that or find us at Twitter. It's at Orla Boiled Down. Um, we're always always ready to hear comments and listen to folks. Well, if you're not already a member of the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association, and I can't imagine why you wouldn't be, if you're on the fence, here's a member benefit for you. Orla partners with some of the industry's most reliable suppliers to offer our members the highest quality service at competitive pricing. We've negotiated valuable discounts and services on behalf of the members, helping them find solutions for a healthy bottom line. Our board approved endorsed service providers, or ESPs, offer services such as credit card processing, hiring solutions, insurance, and even office products. In addition, Orla's new hospitality hub provides access to member exclusive offers from a number of our allied partners. You can visit oregonrla.org backslash savings to learn more about these cost-saving member benefits. Thanks again to Scott Cruikshank, General Manager, Metro Visitor Venues. And again, go to the web at oregonmetro.gov for more information on those venues or to get in touch with Scott. And a big thank you to my co-host for this podcast, Lori Little, Director of Communications for the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association. I am your host, Greg Astley, Director of Government Affairs for Orla. and Thanks for listening.